episode 771. Depth is most certainly an issue at the running back position for the Green Bay Packers with only Ty Montgomery under contract for 2017. So what will they do in free agency in the NFL draft? We'll ask John Meerdink of thepowersweep.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we have a running back theme for today's interview. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have John Meerdink of ThePowerSweep.com. Mr. Meerdink, how are you doing today? It is a phenomenal day in southern Indiana. How are you, Brian? <laughs> Very good. Thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you on the show after previously having your partner at the Power Sweep, Gary Zillavy, join us on Wednesday. Now, John, you previously worked at WTMJ in Milwaukee and and have kept that relationship going through their podcast network. We asked Gary a similar question on Wednesday, but can you tell us about that relationship with the flagship station for the Packers Radio Network? Yeah, sure. It's a very exciting relationship for us because, as you mentioned, 620 WTMJ has had that relationship with the Packers since the 1920s. And to be kind of a part of that new age of Packers coverage is really exciting for us. I think you're going to see a lot of exciting things coming out of this network, not even just Packers related. So we're we're very excited to be a part of it. Um, it gives us, obviously, a great platform to uh, put our thoughts out onto the internet and into the ears of our listeners. And, and we're really excited to be part of what WTMJ is doing. Very cool. And I think that's a good introduction for Packers who may not know you or your site, but we got a Packers running back theme for this episode, John. And, and let me start with this. An article at ESPN recently speculated about the Packers signing Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings, if he gets released, which could happen. So I got two questions for you. How would you feel about that? And what do you think is the likelihood of that actually happening? Well, to answer your second question first, I think it's a low likelihood that the Packers are going to sign Adrian Peterson. And that, circling back to your first question, is because he's just a bad fit for the Packers. The first thing you have to look at with Adrian Peterson is his recent criminal history the child abuse allegations indictment and and just the fallout from that case i think is an enormous black mark on his record and something that has been largely glossed over uh, both by rob domovsky in the article you mentioned and in the article by bill barnwell and the other article that mentioned ap possibly heading to the packers look the packers got raked over the coals for bringing colt lyrla into training camp and lyrla's greatest defense was a a drug-related thing which is just a crime against himself and and speculating about conspiracy theories on the internet Uh, beat writer bob mcginn criticized the packers as as sort of bottom feeders as people who who were willing to do anything and, and sign anybody um when they brought him aboard and bringing a guy who has actual criminal history on board uh who's been indicted for a, a serious issue like child abuse uh who, who's faced that entire process the suspension i think would be an enormous pr mistake for the packers 
the other things you, you can't ignore are that he's going to be 32 before the, the start of the next season. He has a recent hindri- uh, history of leg injuries. Um, the history shows us that 32-year-old running backs generally just aren't that productive. Uh, outside of Frank Gore in Indianapolis, I don't think you can name any recent 32-year-old running backs who have had a high level of success in the NFL. And finally, he's just not that good at the things that the Packers need from their running backs. If you're a running back in the Packers, you have with the Packers, you have to understand that the focus of the offense is Aaron Rodgers, and and allowing Aaron Rodgers to do the things that he does the best is is going to be a big part of your job, and and that's part of the job for anybody on offense. So for a running back, that means you have to pass protect. You have to be good at catching passes, and you have to be really good at running out of the shotgun. The Packers ran about 68% of their plays out of the shotgun last year. And if you can't run out of the shotgun, you're not going to succeed in that offense. For his career, Adrian Peterson averages about 3.7 yards per carry uh, out of the shotgun. That's lower than guys like Eddie Lacy, Ryan Grant, uh, Brandon Jackson. Ty Montgomery averages 6.4 yards per carry out of the shotgun. The Packers don't need a running back like Adrian Peterson, at least uh, not at a, at, a, at a high price. I don't think it's something that's going to happen for a variety of reasons. Oh, uh, yeah, that covered the gamut from his criminal history to uh, how he performs as a player. So that was very comprehensive. Uh, John, in another article published at ESPN, Mel Kuyper has predicted the Packers take running back Christian McCaffrey of Stanford in the first round of the NFL draft in his mock draft. Son Kuyper's done twice now. Uh, I know some people think the Packers already have a similar versatile running back on the roster already with Ty Montgomery, who's also from Stanford. What do you think of this McCaffrey prediction? Well, I, I try to read charitably into things that people write about the Packers on the internet. So let's look at, at uh, Kuiper's prediction here in a, in a charitable light. It's true that the Packers need running backs, and it's true that McCaffrey does a lot of the things that would make him a good fit for what the Packers are trying to do on offense. So I understand what he's saying, and that McCaffrey would be a good fit for the Packers. But uh, as much as I like McCaffrey as a player, and as much as it might make sense on paper, running back is not a good value pick in the first round. I think we need to think of running backs a lot more like we think about wide receivers. It's a lot better to have a lot of running backs that do a few things well than just one elite stud. So that would be a similar case uh, that you would make against signing a guy like Adrian Peterson. Unless you're going to get the equivalent of a Julio Jones or a Calvin Johnson in the first round as a running back, I think you're, you're better off spending those resources elsewhere. I don't think McCaffrey is that sort of elite talent at running back. That's not to say he's not a very good player and could do a lot of good things for the Packers, but he's not a a once-in-a-generation sort of prospect along the lines of of somebody with those sort of elite skills that we've seen at other positions. I'd rather see the Packers uh, do some things at running back where they can stockpile a lot of uh, players who are good at multiple things later in the draft or through free agency. Yeah, also a guy who had injuries in 2016 and and had a worse season in 2016 than he did in 2015, uh, all kind of working against uh, McCaffrey. But, uh, John, whether it happens in free agency or the draft, it sure seems like the Packers at the very least need depth at the running back position considering they recently released James Starks and Montgomery is the only halfback under contract. Wouldn't you think that's the case? I think that is absolutely the case. And looking ahead to the draft, the Packers have seven draft picks and probably one compensatory pick coming their way. It seems like it's probably going to be a fifth rounder. 
there are players on the board that would fit the profile of the picks that they have. And I think uh, the draft would be a good opportunity uh, to acquire some some depth at the running back position. I'd say given Ted Thompson history, Ted Thompson's history, you're probably looking at someone in rounds two through four um, coming to the Packers if they're going to draft a running back this year. Free agency is also an option, but there there are some concerns there, too. The big question is with with running back, since it's just a high turnover position, you always have to ask when someone is available in free agency, okay, why? Why didn't his team want him back? Why did they decide to either release him um, or not bring him back at the conclusion of his contract? A lot of times that's going to be because of age. And the Packers, I don't think, want to invest money in a running back who's approaching 30 uh, that's a question mark for a lot of guys that are going to be hitting the, the free agent market. But also you have to think about things like injuries, uh, guys who have uh, had high carry seasons or, or just been through the ringer of being an NFL running back. And, and those are big considerations when you're thinking about signing a running back in free agency. All right. So if you had to predict, what do you think happens to Eddie Lacy in free agency and how much money do you think he'll command? Well, this is something that I've maintained since the sort of start of the offseason. I think that the chances of Lacey returning to the Packers are greater than almost any other Packers writer I've seen out there. And I think that's because uh, Lacey, like a lot of other running backs hitting the market, Adrian Peterson included, are going to get a free lesson in economics uh, this offseason. So basically, you know, the supply versus demand sort of argument. Do teams need a lot of running backs who are over 30 or approaching 30? Lacey uh, makes me feel old, but he is he is definitely closer to 30 than 20. You think he'll be 27 before the start of the next offseason. So that's approaching the age when running backs begin to break down. So the market value for a guy like Lacey, unless there's a team out there who's willing to give him the Chris Ivory special, I think is going to be a lot lower than both Lacey and other people predict. Um, I think there still is value in the Packers having that sort of traditional running back. And you have to keep in mind that the Packers, while they ran a lot of their plays out of shotgun, 60% of their running plays last season uh, came from under center. Lacey is very good from running running from that sort of position. And I think if you use a guy like him judiciously, he can still have a lot of value for his team. I don't think you want to bring him back as sort of the, the feature back for the Packers because that doesn't fit what they want to do. Uh, but Lacey, at the right price, if he's in that 2 to $3 million range, I think would be a good value signing for the Packers. Okay, maybe not uh, the name brand here that Lacey has, but uh, if the Packers are looking for depth at the position, both Don Jackson and John Crockett are exclusive rights free agents. Is that inevitable that the Packers re-sign at least one of them? I think so. Uh, I think you're looking at a very low-risk signing there. And even if they are re-signed, I don't think that's something that you read into a whole lot. I mean, this time of year between... February and April, it seems like you see a lot of guys get signed and then cut in favor of somebody else two weeks later. Teams are constantly evaluating their roster. It's not like they just sit pat between here and the start of minicamp. They're looking at guys they're thinking about fit. I think Don Jackson and John Crockett are both guys that are worth taking another look at, but I also wouldn't count on them uh, as sort of that running back of the future. Uh, Both guys were very productive in college. But I'm always a little bit frustrated isn't the right word, but I always wonder why the Packers bring in guys that were, yes, productive in college, but not really elite athletes. Uh, Neither Mm -hmm. Don Jackson or John Crockett is going to jump off the page 
in, in any sort of um, area of their physical profile. Uh, both do things well, but I'd, I'd wonder why you wouldn't rather take a flyer on a guy who does something extremely well. Even a guy like Christine My or Kristen Michael, I mean, he's he's a 4-3 or low 4-4s four 40 guy. That's an elite athlete. Neither Don Jackson or John Crockett is that sort of guy, and I'd rather see the Packers take a flyer on a guy who does something at least really well than a, who's sort of a low-level, well-rounded player. Um, all right, keeping with the running back theme here, even if it's not specific Packers, but earlier this week, the NFL released its list of players invited to the NFL Combine, and absent from that list was former Oklahoma running back Joe Mixon, who was charged with assault and suspended in college, but is also considered to be one of the most talented running backs in this year's draft. This is kind of part of a new initiative by the NFL not to invite players to the combine that have been convicted of violence. John, do you agree with the stance the NFL is taking? I completely agree. I have zero tolerance for people who are involved in this sort of thing. Uh, I think it demonstrates an extreme lack of judgment. Uh, I have a lot more sympathy for, for the college-age guys, like Laramie Tunsil last year. I mean, college-age guys, they, they may make bad decisions with things like drugs or alcohol, and that's one thing. And I think you, you, can, you can make a case to consider those on a case-by-case -case basis, but I have no problem um, with considering guys or with, with taking guys out of consideration or off the board or out of the combine, whatever you want to do or say. Uh, who have been convicted of something like Joe Mixon has done. Uh, it's just, it's beyond the pale for me. I think it would be a huge black mark on any team that decides to bring him in. And I'm, I'm completely happy with the NFL for, for embracing something like this. All right, John, before we let you go, uh, the, the com. you've kind of been doing uh, these player profiles. Can you tell us who you've recently profiled and maybe who's next so our listeners can go there and check it out? Well, we've been going through a few guys who are more lower end of the roster guys or guys you may have forgotten about. So one of the, the most fun ones that I've gotten to do recently actually is Mike Pinnell, because you remember at the start of this season, he was considered maybe that sort of heir apparent to B.J. Raji. That could be overstating things a little bit, but he's been sort of that guy who's been um, considered a, a physical talent, but just hasn't put it all together. Well, this year's story on him was really interesting because he came in with those sort of expectations and Things just fell apart. He had the suspension at the start of the season, never really seemed to come back from that, and then had the interesting uh, sort of back and forth with the NFL on his second suspension, and that ended his time in Green Bay. It may not seem like an interesting story on its face, but I think following those sorts of personnel moves are, are an interesting story uh, for Packers fans. John, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Greatly appreciate it. A lot of good conversation here. Keep up the good work at thepowersweep.com, and we'd love to have you back on the show again sometime. Well, I would love to be back, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. John Meerdink of thepowersweep.com. Check them out in their podcast, Blue 38, at the WTMJ Mobile Podcast Network. Lots of good stuff there. Thanks to John for joining us this morning. Thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as we continue on with the show. I'll tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, the annual NFL special teams rankings published by the Dallas Morning News and writer Rick Goslin came out on Wednesday, kind of considered the preeminent special teams rankings uh, worldwide, I guess you could say, although uh, football outsiders and others do their own rankings as well. 
but this one kind of gets a lot of attention because Rick Goslin does such a good job and he's been doing it for so long. But the Green Bay Packers rank 29th out of 32 teams, which obviously isn't good. In fact, the Green Bay Packers rank dead last in the league in two categories, kickoff coverage and opponent kickoff starting point, which are obviously very similar. So if they did bad in one, it makes sense that they do bad in the other. So at least it's not two totally separate categories that they're finishing dead last in. But uh, the special teams rankings are an average of all categories, however, which include you know kickoffs, punts, field goals, takeaways, giveaways, penalties, just about everything you could think of them. I didn't even go through all of them. Uh, so, you know, this, this ranking, your 29, definitely not something to brag about for coordinator Ron Zook's crew. The Packers ranked 17th in the same rankings a year ago. So basically the middle of the pack in the NFL, which I thought was actually a step in the right direction from where they were under Sean Slocum in 2014 and where they were trending. So it was disappointing to see the Packers take a step backwards in 2016 what's what's most disappointing is the Packers routinely keep such a young roster and they do year under year under general manager Ted Thompson and they did so again in 2016 by carrying a lot of rookies particularly in the secondary this past year Uh, of course names like safeties Kentrell Bryce and Marwin Evans and cornerback Josh Hawkins These are supposed to be the type of players that make up the core of your coverage units because, first of all, they play defense, so they know how to tackle. They play in the secondary, so they're supposed to be somewhat fast or faster than your linemen and linebackers and things like that. And you know what? They just didn't do a very good job of it. And I'm talking about the unit as a whole here, not them in particular, But, you know, certainly Kentrell Bryce made a lot of tackles on special teams. I know he played a lot, but maybe some of the other guys weren't always, you know, keeping up their end of the bargain. And and hopefully the coaching staff emphasizes this ranking in the offseason and it motivates all the players to do better. And hopefully at some point the Packers at least bring in competition for punter Jacob Schum. He was okay, and he may very well win the job again, but he deserves to be pushed. You know, the quest to do even better should never stop. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the most likely source of competition will be the NFL draft or, you know, after the draft, uh, an undrafted rookie uh, of some sort, um, That not preventing the Packers from signing a street free agent or a punter in free agency, but I'm just saying that's the most likely spot. But yeah, they, they got to do better in 2017 than that. Although I should mention, I know the the ranking at footballoutsiders.com ranked the Packers 20th in the NFL, uh, which certainly doesn't look quite as bad as 29th. Still not great. Still not the upper half of the NFL, uh, which is where the Packers going to have to try to get to here at uh, some point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I wanted to go through that here uh, at a, you know during the off season, where a time period here where there's not a whole lot of other Packers news break breaking, especially before the NFL Combine takes place, before free agency takes place. 
Uh, I thought that was worthy of mention. But because we don't have a whole lot of other news, I did solicited. Uh, I solicited questions on social media once again to answer from people here and got a question from Gary Beatty. Uh, that's username GBGary54 on Twitter, uh, and it goes right along with our uh, running back theme from earlier in the episode. He asked simply, Lacey, do they bring him back? And John Meerdink already gave his thoughts on the topic, and you know what? I, I'm very much in line with the, with, uh, the thoughts that Meerdink shared because I, I think it's quite likely that Eddie Lacy comes back. I'm not guaranteeing it by any means. Anything could happen when players have an expiring contract. Maybe Lacy doesn't want to come back to Green Bay. Maybe he does, but they don't offer him the money he wants. And, and, and there's one team out there in the NFL who does offer him a, a nice contract with, with multi-years on it. Um but but I think Eddie Lacy is going back. I know I mentioned this on the show before, but I think it's a very good comparison to Jermichael Finley, uh, where he was at the expiration of his rookie contract, which is where Lacy is now. When Jermichael Finley, his con- his rookie contract expired after the first four years or whatever it was, um, it, you know he was very much thought of as a guy with potential very much like Eddie Lacy, a guy who's had good production in spurts, maybe not consistent production. And there were questions about him, you know, especially Jermichael Finley with his bonehead comments and and quite a few drops, especially early in his career. And then Lacy questions about uh, his weight and his commitment. And so there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn. And the Packers re-signed Jermichael Finley to a two-year contract, to a modest contract. Certainly not the NFL's minimum, but not among the elite players in the NFL. And I think the Packers can do similar with Eddie Lacy. Uh, I I wouldn't give him any more than a two-year contract. But, you know, for a lot of people saying, give him a one-year prove-it contract, I wouldn't mind if the Packers gave him two years. Uh, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, whether maybe, maybe Eddie Lacy doesn't want a two-year contract. A lot of time, those guys who know they do have to prove it, so to speak, they really give it their all for one year and, and they, they hit free agency once again, and then try to strike it rich. It's, it's a, it's a risk. I, I mean, for the player to do that, because if you have just, uh, even just an average year, you're probably not going to make any more, uh, and if you end up having a bad year, you could do even worse. So it's a tough decision for Eddie Lacy to do, you know, what to seek out. And, and I mean, it's it's not entirely in his hands. Sometimes it's what the teams offer as well. But it'll be an interesting situation that happens. I think the Packers should make an attempt to re-sign him for one or two years under a modest contract. Like John Meerdink said, two to three million dollars. Uh, I'd be okay with that. Uh, especially considering on what else happens in, in free agency, who else they resign. Those could all play factors, factor into the equation here. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think uh, all things considered, I think they bring them back, uh, but can't guarantee it. Another question here from Vic Singh. Uh, that's username Supervillainy on Twitter. Who's your first round pick for the team pre-combine? And obviously... I haven't done a ton of research yet. It's just a 
regular guy who hosts a podcast and don't have time or at least as much time as I used to to invest into all these things. Um, but, uh, you know, if I had to give one guess here, uh, as I'm certainly I think I give a little more time than the average person at looking at these things, too, though, however, uh, the 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 regular Joe fan, uh, perhaps. But uh, if I had to give one guess about who I think the Packers will select with their first round draft pick, and this is not to be a homer, not to be a Wisconsin, you know, kind of uh, wishing and hoping that they'll sign a Wisconsin player. But I'll say right now, uh, TJ Watt from the University of Wisconsin. I think the Packers need pass rush help. I think uh, the 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 Watt lineage and bloodline uh, holds a lot of water, considering what JJ has been able to do in the NFL. I, I've spoke about this before on the podcast. I see a lot of parallels in that they were both kind of late bloomers in college. Um, although J.J. stayed until his senior year, T.J. came out a year early. Uh, definitely would have been interesting to see what he would have done in his senior year in college. Could have been very dominant. But I think he's just uh, a player very much in the mold of, of J.J. and that he's smart. He's not as big as J.J., uh, but that's okay. He could kind of fit that 3-4 outside linebacker, get after the passer. But he also is a very good run defender, very strong, and and plays with good technique and good hand usage. I, I've watched him so closely this past year. It was just amazing to see what he can do. Not super fast um, in terms of especially like quickness. A guy like Clay Matthews would be quicker than T.J. Watt. But, I mean, you don't always need that. Um, especially if you have good technique and you're strong, there are other ways to get to the quarterback. He, he was my first round prediction right now. And I'll give you what another name here that that's the official prediction, but a guy, especially I'm interested in watching at the NFL combine, because I think his stock is going to be going to be contingent or hinge on what he does at the combine, because I think he has to put up super numbers to get into that first round territory. Here's a name for you. That's probably not on the tips of people's tongues because he played at a, a little bit of a smaller college, but Hassan Reddick of temple. And he made a little bit of a name for himself at the senior bowl. Uh, he was an edge defender at uh, Temple. He's in a very interesting guy because he actually came to college as like a, a safety. He's kind of the, he's got this tweener body. So go to, he went from safety to essentially an outside linebacker slash defensive end role. Yeah. Even with his hand down in a three point stance, he was definitely very small for a edge rusher, edge defender, in that he's like 6'1", 230 pounds. You could get away with it at Temple, and, and he helped Temple do very well the past two years. They won their division in the American Athletic Conference each of the past two years, won the conference this past year. Uh, so he was a big part of that. Uh, but, you know, he, he was he was effective as an edge defender because of how quick and how fast he was, and he's both of those things. But... Starting at the Senior Bowl, and I'm glad they got an, a head start on this, 
kind of became an off the ball linebacker thinking that might be the better fit for him at the at the NFL so an inside linebacker and I you know what I think he might be able to do it but I think it's he's going to have to show elite athleticism at the combine all those drills especially the 40 yard dash uh but I mean all of them you know whether it's explosiveness and the jumps and and, and that side to side sideline to sideline stuff that kind of shows in your three cone drill that that measures change of direction he's going to have to do really good in those but if he does good I think this could be a guy who can slip into the the latter end of the first round and this could be the inside linebacker the Packers have been looking for for years and years um uh, keep that name uh at the front of your forefront of your mind during the NFL combine as these guys go through workouts it's going to be interesting to watch him work out and um yeah there you go Hassan Reddick there's and I'm I'm not ruling out you know other guys there's certainly a lot more pieces of the puzzle here with the combine to take place followed by pro days and uh interviews at team facilities all those kind of things uh, another name I, I kind of like is Tredavious White, the cornerback from LSU, uh, along with a lot, you know, deep group of cornerbacks. Uh, that's just one name. A lot will depend on the combine, so I'm not ruling anything out at this point, but those are some names I'm keeping an eye on just to give you an idea. <clears throat> but next segment. The day ahead. All right, there's several items on the Packers calendar here. Today, Friday. There's an all-day programming block on the NFL Network dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Basically, from noon to midnight Eastern time, so one hour difference if you're Central or another time zone, but it, it's nonstop Packers. There's there's game replays, there's Super Bowl highlights, there's uh, three a Football Life features on Brett Favre, Charles Woodson, and Vince Lombardi. So if you're bored and looking for something to watch and and you're on the couch on Friday, uh, NFL Network is the place for Packers fans uh, today uh, if you're interested. Then over the weekend, the NFL holds its second regional combine. Last weekend they held their first. This one is being held in Houston, Texas, and whether or not the Packers will have a representative in attendance They will have access to a database of all participant measurements and video. So that's another small step on the scouting circuit before the national NFL combine to come in, uh, I think, less than two weeks now. Then finally, the Packers are sending alumni representatives for three consecutive days to the grand opening of three separate grand uh, grand openings for Bob's Discount Furniture in the greater Milwaukee area. So here's the list. On Saturday, February 18th, Amon Green and Tony Fisher will appear from 1 to 3 p.m. at Bob's Discount Furniture in Brown Deer. So there you go, the all-time leading rusher in the history of the Green Bay Packers. On Saturday, February 19th, Antonio Freeman and Chris Jackie will appear from 1 to 3 p.m. at Bob's Discount Furniture in Racine. So there you go, a Packer Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, And then on Monday, February 20th, Leroy Butler and Antonio Freeman will appear from 2 to 4 p.m. at Bob's Discount Furniture in Greenfield. 
Details are at Packers.com if you want to look for them. Uh, so if you live at the Packer, if you live in the Milwaukee area, feel free to see some Packers heroes up close and personal as they sign autographs. There you go. Uh, giving you uh, hopefully some under the radar information if you're interested out there. And that's what this podcast is for the hardcore fan who's interested in that kind of thing. That'll do it, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. My call to action. Today's show is brought to you by B-Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Twitter at B-Rock Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K and Madison, like the city. Uh, We're not open yet, but we're looking to get the word out before we open um so we have customers when we open the door so appreciate if you'd give us a follow on social media do it we need more followers uh thanks so much folks for joining us this morning thank you to john meerdink of thepowersweep.com for being our guest and uh thank you to uh uh everybody at cheesehead tv for all their contributions on behalf of everybody at cheesehead tv i'm brian caribou i'll leave you today with a song called ace in the hole by the radiators on Psy fidelity records see everyone have a good weekend talk to you again on monday go pack go